Section three of the Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter two Joanna of Naples, Muzio Sforza, Braccio da Montone, and Carmagnola. Part one. The period of Italian history which extends from the Council of Pisa to the march of the Emperor Sigismund upon Rome in fourteen thirty six is one of great confusion it is a time of chaos and anarchy during which no striking individuality no predominant power make it easy for us to group the events in due subordination but the same epoch was one of the most flourishing periods of italian art to the first quarter of the fifteenth century belong the early sculptures of donatello the doors of the baptistry of florence cast by lorenzo ghiberti which michelangelo declared worthy to be the gates of paradise the first frescoes of masaccio in the church of santa maria novella during it filippo brunelleschi was appointed to construct the marvellous dome of our lady of the flower on may third fourteen ten pope alexander died and baldassare cosa was elected his successor under the name of john the twenty third his quarrel with vladislav of naples still continued but in fourteen twelve a treaty of peace was arranged between them by the good offices of the florentines peace was still better assured by the death of ladislav in fourteen fourteen italy was well rid of this unquiet spirit ladislav before his death had given his consent to the summoning of a general council at constance the place was happily chosen as being neither italian nor german and yet near enough to both countries to be of easy access ladislav had been moved to this course by the new emperor sigismund sigismund was king of bohemia the younger brother of wenzel or wenceslaus king of germany and a scion of the famous line of henry of luxembourg after a short war with venice and negotiations with milan and the pope a general council was convoked at constance for november first fourteen fourteen at the council the italians were found to be present in by far the largest numbers so that a salutary rule was made that votes should be taken not by individuals but by nations there was the same difficulty as before in persuading the rival popes to abdicate their functions john the twenty third promised to resign but ran away in disguise to schaffhausen he was caught and imprisoned in fourteen fifteen gregory the twelfth recognized the authority of the council and surrendered the tiara benedict the twelfth held out obstinately at perpignan and was solicited to retire by sigismund in person at last even his own spaniards fell away from him and he was deposed in july fourteen seventeen the papal throne was now vacant and before the election of a new pope there was an opportunity for reforming the church in head and members the opportunity was lost and the bonds of obedience were drawn tighter than ever the teaching of wycliffe was condemned john huss who had come to constance under a safe conduct was tried found guilty and burnt his ashes being thrown into the rhine jerome of prague met with no better fate but the fire of reforming zeal kindled at their stakes burnt long and brightly in the country of their birth ottone or odo colonna was elected pope with the name martin v 
his first act was to dissolve the council it had carried no reforms but it brought into clear light the dissensions which existed in the church and the persecution of reformers only prepared the way in germany for the work of luther and melanchthon king ladislav was succeeded on the throne of naples by joanna the second at that time forty-six years old in vice and shamelessness she was a worthy successor of her earlier namesake she had been married to william duke of corinthia son of duke leopold the third of austria but she was now a widow and under the control of pandolfello alopo her grand chamberlain attendolo sforza the famous condottieri captain and father of muzzo sforza was the commander of her troops and she shortly afterwards married jacques de bourbon the count de la marche who alopo believed would be entirely in his power it is useless to waste time over the domestic revolutions of this debased court muzzo sforza was put into prison jacques contrary to the terms of his marriage contract contrived to be crowned king he then proceeded to ill-treat his wife and to deprive her of independent power he threw her into prison but the people arose and liberated her she chose a new favourite by name giovanni caracciolo and sforza was set free to command her armies we now meet with a second condottiere as leader of mercenary troops braccio da montone first a companion in arms and afterwards a rival of sforza profiting by the confusion of italy he had managed to acquire for himself a state of which perugia was the centre and he had extended his conquests down the valley of the tiber as far as rome the neapolitans could not allow the capital of italy to fall into his hands and they could the more easily prevent it as they already had the powerful fortress of st angelo in their hands muzzo sforza was dispatched to the rescue on his arrival montone retired and sforza entered the city in triumph on august twenty seventh fourteen seventeen the condition of italy was indeed deplorable when pope martin v set out to return southward to his new dominions elected in november fourteen seventeen he remained for several months in constance on april twenty second fourteen eighteen he finally closed the council summoning a new one to meet at pavia to continue the work of renovating the church crossing savoy he entered lombardy and celebrated mass in the cathedral of milan he remained at mantua from november fourteen eighteen till february fourteen nineteen and passing by ferrara and the romagna without touching bologna which with a number of smaller towns had declared her independence he arrived at florence then flourishing under the rule of the guelph aristocracy as rome and beneventum were in the hands of the neapolitans he thought it better to remain in the capital of tuscany and in fact he stayed there for a year and a half he took up his abode in quarters specially prepared for him in the convent of santa novella the church of which he consecrated in october fourteen twenty he obtained from the duke of bavaria the release of baldassare cosa from his long imprisonment the aged pontiff came to florence to throw himself at the feet of martin to do him obeisance and to recognize him as the true father of the christian world he was invested with the purple of a cardinal but died soon afterwards in november fourteen nineteen and was buried in the church of san giovanni so dear to the poet dante 
the history of rome and naples during the next few years is a tissue of the most complicated intrigues joanna adopted as her son and named as her successor in the kingdom alfonso v of aragon one of the most prominent princes of that age a model of all knightly accomplishments a quarrel had broken out between sforza and caracciolo the queen's favourite which had the most disastrous consequences joanna was at first well disposed toward the pope he recognised her as queen and gave his authority for her coronation muzzo sforza had been sent by her against braccio da montone to conquer the states of the church which were still in his possession but sforza was severely defeated in june fourteen nineteen between viterbo and monte fiascone in the following january sforza came to visit the pope at florence but the boys sang under their windows papa martino non vale un quattrino e braccio valente che vince ogni gente pope martin is not worth a farthing it is the hero braccio who conquers every one at the end of february braccio himself came to florence accompanied by four hundred horse and forty foot his lofty and imposing stature caused great admiration the florentines reconciled him with the pope who confirmed him in the possession of the towns he occupied perugia orvieto narni rieti and assisi a complete change now took place sforza and the pope having become friends deserted the cause of joanna and supported a rival claimant to the throne of naples in the person of louis the third of anjou let us consider who he was in june thirteen eighty six joanna i pressed by the hungarian party had adopted as her son and successor louis i of the second house of anjou son of john the second king of france and descended from the earlier house of anjou through the female line louis i had borne the title of king of naples from thirteen eighty two to thirteen eighty four his son louis the second bore the same title from thirteen eighty four to fourteen seventeen he had died three years after ladislaf and left his claims to his son louis the third who now won the favour of pope martin the fourth and the condottiere muzzo sforza from this time naples is again torn in sunder by the quarrels of louis and alfonso and the struggles of the angevin and aragonese parties for the possession of the throne it is a curious example of the complications of interest in this troubled time that louis actually asked alfonso who was his cousin on his mother's side to lend him a fleet in order that he might disembark his troops at naples and seemed surprised when the request was refused he received however a promise that he should not be hindered from equipping a fleet in genoa where he armed five large ships and nine galleys louis arrived with his fleet in the gulf of naples in the middle of august at the beginning of september the galleys of aragon appeared under the command of raimundo polirione joanna gave the costello nuovo into his possession which he accepted in the name of his master alfonso the king of aragon was at this time besieging bonifacio in corsica and seemed in no hurry to join his adopted mother driven from bonifacio by the genoese he went to sardinia and to sicily and did not reach naples till the end of june fourteen twenty one joanna had in the meantime summoned braccio to her assistance who entered the capital at the beginning of that month 
Naples was divided into two camps, one the Angevins under Louis and Sforza, the other the Hungarian or Aragonese or Dorazian under Alfonso and Braccio. In November 1421, the Pope, with the assistance of the Florentines, succeeded in concluding a kind of peace. Both claimants were to leave the kingdom. Alfonso was to retain the title of Duke of Calabria. Joanna was to retain the kingdom of Naples, and after her death, the question of inheritance was to be settled by the Pope. The peace really came to nothing. Louis went to Rome, where he remained for a long time feeding on vain hopes. Pope Martin had been there since the previous autumn. He found the city at peace, but poor and desolate. He did what he could to raise it, and deserves to some extent the title which his biographers have given him of father of his country. After this, confusion in Naples became worse confounded. Queen Joanna became jealous of Alfonso. Sforza and Braccio, who were the real rulers of the kingdom, had a conference and became friends, remembering the fair days of their youth, when they learned the art of war together under Alberico da Barbiano. By the help of Braccio, Sforza was reconciled with Joanna and the great Seneschal. Braccio kept his title of constable of the kingdom and governor of the Abruzzi. In the spring of 1423, the relations between Joanna and Alfonso became more strained. The queen invoked the assistance of Sforza, and Alfonso summoned Braccio to his aid. Sforza obtained a victory over the Catalans, and Alfonso was shut up in the Castello Nuovo. In June, Alfonso, by the help of a Catalan fleet, recovered his ascendancy. Louis was now in high favor with Joanna. She created him Duke of Calabria, adopted him as her son, and declared him heir to the throne. In October 1423, Alfonso was obliged to return to Spain. He left his son Peter in his place with only a small army. During the last six months of the year 1423, Braccio had been engaged in the siege of the great city of Aquila. Sforza was determined to drive him from his enterprise, and with this end attempted to pass the river Pescara so as to take him in the rear. It was Monday, January 3rd, 1424, a day marked as unlucky by the astrologers. The passage by the usual ford was disputed by soldiers of Braccio, and Muzzo Sforza was compelled to cross by the very mouth of the river. First crossed five horsemen, then Muzzo Sforza's son Francesco, then Michelotto da Tendolo, then Sforza himself and a few men-at-arms. The first who crossed engaged with the soldiers of Braccio, Francesco distinguishing himself by a valor beyond his years. Muzzo Sforza called upon the rest of his company to cross the river, and when they could not obey because a breeze was blowing from the sea and roughening the water, he entered the river again to show that there was no danger. As he held out his hand to support a sinking page, his horse, Scalzanaka, stumbled and fell. The horse recovered itself, but Muzzo Sforza fell into the water and never rose again. Thus perished one of the first and one of the greatest of the condottieri. He was of more than the common height, neither thin nor fat, large-limbed, strong and robust, sound in mind and body. His appearance was terrible and severe. His eyes were set deep into his head. He had a hooked nose and a face bronzed by the sun. He was a man of few words and could scarcely read or write, but he was wise and prudent in counsel, 
full of courage and spirit in times of danger full of affection for his family his country and his servants such is the character drawn of him by minuti his companion in arms End of section three